bless you all. Praise God. You all can be seated. Praise God. Good looking family here. Good looking family. Praise God. You all come ready to hear the word of God this morning? All right. Praise God. Well, we won't waste any time getting to where we need to get to today. Were you all blessed by my good friend, uh, Pastor Anthony Crawford on last week? Praise God. Good, good man. Pastor's down in South Florida. Their Impact Church in South Florida. I've been knowing him for over 20 years. He was actually a part of my youth department. He was a worker in my youth department when I was a youth pastor. And then he went to Bible school. God raised him up, sent him out, went to serve with my best friend, Bishop Jackson, Bishop Jackson, Bishop Davis in Jacksonville, Florida. And then Bishop Davis sent him out to pastor there in the Miami area. All right, praise God. We're doing a series on biblical laws of prosperity. We basically have three opening or what I would call foundational texts. uh, And really, they're instrumental in everything that we've talked about up to this point. And they're just so pivotal because you can't really prosper in God outside of the Word of God. How many of y'all would agree with that, right? It's really no real biblical prosperity outside of the Word of God. And so, right away, we talked about three very important scriptures, three foundational scriptures. Can anyone tell me what the first one is? Romans 10, 17 says, right, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? Not having heard. So, it's so important in any area that you want to prosper in that you allow yourself to keep hearing what the Word of God has to say about that. Can anyone tell me what the second scripture is? John chapter 17, verse 17, right? Jesus praying to the Father on behalf of the disciples and us. He says, Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. He wanted the disciples to be set apart. He wanted it to be a clear difference between who was with him and who was of the world. And I believe it's no different uh, than that today. And then 3 John chapter 2 Uh, John there uh, speaking to his good friend Gaius, and he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, and we don't want to minimize even as your what? Soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Never forget that you are a tripart being. You are a spirit. You're not a body. You are a spirit that possesses a soul that lives inside of a physical body. Right? And so we know people who prosper spiritually, but they don't prosper physically. God wants every aspect of your life successful. Does anyone believe that? Right? He wants every aspect of it successful and fluent. Now, we're really talking about 14 ways, and we won't get through all 14 of them. I'm actually starting to condense it now. But we left off the last time I spoke to you all looking at poverty versus prosperity. And today what I want to do in this social media world You know, we all like to take pictures, right? We all like to post pictures. We all like to capture special moments uh, in our lives. And so what I want to give you today is a picture of prosperity. I want to kind of show you the picture that God took in terms of what he expected your family to look like. And how many know it's a beautiful picture? I'm talking about it is a keepsake. And this really, if if it doesn't look like that today, if you just get on this book, How many of you know it will look like that tomorrow? All right, and so let's begin to walk through that today. Today we're going to look at last week or last time we looked at poverty versus prosperity. Today we're going to look at a picture of prosperity. Go with me to Psalms 112, a picture of prosperity. And just to kind of reiterate, point number four was establishing our heart 
in God's covenant. Again, the last time I spoke to you all, we were looking at poverty versus prosperity. And so we know that God has established his covenant in the earth. We've also learned that it's not enough for us to just know it. How I many you know we have to do it? We have to live it, right? And that's really the most important part. For the covenant to be of any value, then we have to have our hearts established in it. So we can't just memorize it and know it in our head. Our hearts have to be established in it, and our obedience allows us to live in it. Now, Psalms 112, I believe, is the perfect picture or the perfect description of an established heart, and it really describes a prosperous man, but it gives us insight into why he was prosperous. And so remember in point number four, we looked at David, we looked at Moses, and we looked at Abraham. God didn't just bless those men just to be blessing them. There were things that they did. They qualified by establishing their hearts in God's covenant. Now, they weren't perfect men. How many know this is not about perfection? Right? We can find something about all three of those men throughout the course of their lives that they did wrong. So this is not about perfection. What this is about is growth. I mean, we should be further along next week than we were this week. And that's all God can ask for. We should be better next month than we were this month. Can you all agree with that? By this time next year, you shouldn't be able to recognize the person that you were today. Because so much growth took place, right? And so, let's look at Psalms 112. I'll read it, then we'll go back through it verse by verse, almost word by word. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants or seed, the King James Version says, will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in darkness. We'll explain what all of this means. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And as they said in a lot of churches that I came from, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word for our edification, exhortation. Anybody come from those kind of backgrounds right there? You probably could have said all of that right with me, right? All right, let's get into this today, okay? We're going to really go right through this. This is a picture of what God desires for your life to look like. So let's start at verse number one. It says, praise ye the Lord. This word praise here is a Hebrew word, halal. So right away, it's interesting that it begins to describe right away our posture towards God is that we should be people that enjoy praising God. The word halal means to boast. It means to make a show. It means to act clamorously foolish. It means to celebrate, and it is a sound. So in other words, it's not silent. This is actually something that you could hear, and in some cases, something that you could see. So I believe all of us should have some form of expression 
that we enjoy praising God. So let me just try it once again. Verse number one, praise ye the Lord. Now what you'll notice, that should lift you up. It should lift your countenance. It should change your disposition. If you woke up with a bad attitude, I mean, it's hard to keep a bad attitude while praising God. Now the focus is no longer on you. It's on what's bigger than you, and he has the ability to lift you above whatever it is that you're going through today. So that halal is something that we can hear, and it is something that we can see. And so I would say I heard about 40% of this audience. I can't get through the rest of this until we get the first part of it. And so the first part says, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> now, you might notice, soon as I said that, a smile came on my face. It's kind of hard to look down praising God. It's going to lift you, lift your spirits, lift your countenance, put a smile on your face. It's so important. If we're going to look like God wants us to look, I mean, we've got to be full of praise. So he says, praise ye the Lord. Then it says, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. This word blessed here is a different word than one we'll read early or later on in this particular text. Blessed here is Esher, spelled E-S-H-E-R. And I love this. It just simply means happy, but it means oh, how happy. So now we can see what follows someone who lives a praise life. They're usually happy people. And at the end of the day, you know what I want? I want a happy wife, I want happy children, and I want a happy church. Come on, nobody wants to be around a sad wife, sad kids, and a sad church. No, I want a happy wife, I want happy kids, and I want a happy church, and every now and then I'll eat a happy meal, glory to God. Come on, somebody. Right? And it's all right every once in a while, right? So notice, happy and oh, how happy is the man that fears the Lord. This is someone that morally reveres God and is reverential towards the things of God. See, notice this person, because they praise, right, it keeps them happy and it gives them a proper reverence and respect for God and the things of God. So blessed is the man that fears the Lord. Here's another key that delighteth greatly in his commandments. The word delighteth means to be pleased with. It means to desire. Greatly here means holy. It means speedily. It means diligently. And it means exceeding. One commentary said, this man loves the word of God with everything that he has. Now, it is kind of hard to fail in life if you are a praiser which makes you happy all the time. Come on, you have a reverence and a respect for the things of God, and you love the Word of God with all of your being. I mean, you have now set yourself up to be blessed in every area of your life. So he says here in verse 2, let's move to there. Or, or, or let me say this. So what type of man is blessed by God? Obviously, the man who fears the Lord delights greatly in his commandments. But I want to say this here. His heart is again established in the Word of God. 
So the Word of God, that's why he loves it with all of his being. So the Word of God becomes the foundation behind why you do what you do. I mean, it's one thing to just do something, but it's another thing to say, I'm, a, I'm doing this out of honor for God. That's the highest level that you can do anything. Verse 2 here, or stanza 2, it's interesting now. If you're a, a parent in here, you're married, I don't, really right after my wife, you know what comes next is my children. I want them to be blessed more than anything in this world. Notice what he goes to. He goes right away to his seed shall be what? Mighty upon the earth. That doesn't sound like kids that are struggling. Right? Let me show you these things. Seed here is descended. It, it is children. Mighty here, listen to this, means warrior. It means champion, and it means to excel. Our children should be champions. Oh, Jesus. And our children should excel in everything that they do. Oh, man, I I want this to just get in here thick today, okay? Our children should be better than the world's children. Not in comparison to, but just what we have is better than what they have. So when he says your seed shall be mighty, it means they'll be warriors, they'll be champions, and everything they do, it will excel. So the seed will be mighty, and I'm led to do this. Is there anyone in here believing for your children? Just rose up in my spirit. Stand up right now if you're believing for your children. Right now, they may look like they're going the wrong way. And Come on, let's get in agreement with this right now. This is a Bible promise that belongs to you that you can stand on. Come on, look around this room. That, that just rose up in my spirit. So this is a moment right now. We're believing God for our children, Okay. Stretch your hands towards them right now. Let's bless and let's release a blessing on their children right now. Father, I pray for every person that's standing on their feet right now, Father, that are believing for their children. Your word says that our seed should be mighty upon the earth. So we declare and we decree that their children are warriors, Father, that their children are champions, that their children excel in everything that they do. And if they've gone away from you, Father, we also have a promise that says that if we will raise them in the way that they should go. When they are old, they will not depart from it, and they will return back to it. So I call all of those children back home, back into the kingdom of God, back into the house of God, serving you with joyful hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, rejoice for your children right now. Come on, rejoice for your children. Come on, praise God for your children. Glory to God. His seed, you can be seated. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Then watch this. The generation of the upright. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. This word blessed here is a different Hebrew word. Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word barak. And it's the same one that was used when God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. It's the same word that he used when he blessed Abraham with the blessing. And what he's saying here, folks, this word here means to bless as a benefit. What he's saying is he's going to put something on you that will always benefit you and empower you and cause you to excel and succeed in life. 
We're not designed to fail, folks. We're not meant to fail. That's why we don't handle stress well, because we're not used to it. All of our mechanisms on the inside, everything in us is designed to work. So notice what he says here. This, the man who fears the Lord delights greatly in his commandments, established heart in the covenant of God. His seed will be mighty. There'll be warriors. There'll be champions. Everything that they do will excel. And watch this, because they're upright, they'll be blessed. They will be in power, and I'll bless them as a benefit. I don't know about you folks. I receive that. Everything I touch works. Everything you touch works. Come on, somebody. If I invest in it, it could have been going down. But as soon as I get in on it, it's getting ready to go right up to the top. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I'm partnering with someone greater than myself. And his name is God. Hallelujah. 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 Look at stanza three, verse three. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Wealth here implies enough, riches or substance. If you read most financial books, they'll tell you wealth is really defined as how long can a person live with no income coming in? It's really savings, investments passive income. It's really how wealth is defined. So if your job came to you today and said, you know, we're, we're cutting back, how long could you actually live with no income coming in? That's how wealthy you are. What I want you to understand, he said, wealth is going to be in your house. Because I'm going somewhere with this. Watch this. They can show up with a pink slip if they want to. They will never outlast what's on my life. And they'll never outlast what's on your life. Come on, somebody. You start looking at that as just an opportunity. Whoa, wow. If they're cutting back, then God must be cutting up somebody. Come on, somebody. Man, they just catapulted me into something that is just, come on, somebody. They might be getting ready to close down, but I'm getting ready to wind up and go up to the next level, right? Stay with me now. So, so watch this now. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. House here is defined as a palace, so we could be talking about house, but also household, his family. So now, how many of y'all know every parent wants their children to be blessed? So I want you to see when you walk in these things, folks, this, your children should benefit from where God has brought you. So wealth and riches shall be in his house, his literal house, but also his family, watch this, and his righteousness will endure for how long? For how long? For how long? I want you to listen to me. When God says wealth and riches shall be in his house, when God gives you something, no one can take it away from you. Oh, Jesus. Even if in the natural it looked like they succeeded in taking it away from you, God will get it back to you seven times greater than what you lost. Why? Because your covenant says if the thief be found, then he has to return seven times greater what he stole from you. So he actually did you a favor by stealing something from you because now he promoted you up seven times greater than where you were at when he stole it from you in the first place. Come on, somebody. When God gives you something, 
can't nobody take it away from you. I'm talking about if God opens a door, there's not a man big enough on this earth to shut that door. But watch this. If God shuts a door, there's not a man big enough on this earth to even try to open that door. When God says wealth and riches shall be in your house, no one can take from you what God gives you. Hallelujah. 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 Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness will what? Endure forever. So whatever comes up against this man, because this man is fixed and established in the Word of God, notice it will not overcome him, and this man is going to be established forever. As I meditated this last night, I want you all to listen to me. I will never, ever go back to anything that looks like lack. Never. Now I'm getting ready to speak it over you. You're getting ready to come out of lack and never, ever go back to anything that looks close to it. Right? Don't chase money. Chase God. Are you all listening to me? Make this all about God and what God said and be committed to obeying that. You'll never go without another day in your life. God will send more customers into your business than you can cut hair. You'll be sending people away. You won't have enough chairs in there. Come on, somebody. You, you'll need to open up multiple businesses. You'll need a north location, a south location, a east location, a west location. You'll get to a place where you don't even need to be there anymore. Now you're just overseeing it. You're just managing it because God sent you good people. I'm preaching to somebody in this building today. He promised that these things would be in our house. Look at stanza five here. And I love this, or four here. Unto the upright there arise of light in darkness. Well, what are we talking about here? Arises means to rise up. It means to shoot forth. Light here is illumination or revelation. So we live in the world, right? So in the world, we shall have tribulation, right? But he said, but in me, you'll have peace. But in the world, we're going to experience some moments. I want you to see what he said, unto the upright. See, that's all of us in here if we're born again. There arises, so it's going to rise up and shoot forth illumination and revelation. But notice it shows up in darkness. What does darkness represent? Misery destruction, ignorance, and obscurity. So do you understand for this person, whenever a dark moment shows up, God's going to give them revelation and illumination, and they're going to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it right in the midst of that dark moment. How I many you know that's a blessing right there, that, 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 that life can hit this person, but this person is going to get some inside information to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, so that the effects of that dark moment never, ever impacts this person. I'm talking about the world can be in an economic collapse, but God will give you light in the middle of that darkness. He'll show you what to invest in, what to buy. Come on, somebody, what to do. And while everyone else is going down, you'll be going up. Come on. And it's common sense that most millionaires have made their money during dark seasons. Why? Because they had more light than everybody else. While everyone else was panicking, they were buying up opportunities. God said, whenever darkness shows up, 
I'm going to show you what to do. So how I many of we don't know, we don't need to get uptight about nothing. It doesn't matter who the next president will be. My God is the ruler of this earth. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. It doesn't matter. They both can get in. It's not going to impact me at all. Let them share the office. It doesn't matter to me because God is bigger. Come on, somebody. Because God is bigger. Doesn't really matter what policies they put in place. It's not slowing me down at all. And it's not slowing you down at all. Come on, somebody. It's not impacting my children, not one bit. I don't know about this world that our kids have to go. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. Come on, somebody. We live in it, but we're getting ready to show them how to do it. Come on, somebody. So he said, there arise of light and darkness. Then notice what happens. He's gracious, full of compassion. See that? And righteous. So he's not going to be a person that when it's dark and God gives him light, he's going to go help other people out. They can't see the light for themselves and tell them about the light. Come on, somebody. And we all know that that light is Jesus, right? And so when people ask us, how is it that everyone in our whole department lost their jobs, but you got a better one? Well, let me tell you for a moment. Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. Come on, I have a covenant with him. He promised that he would take care of me and meet all of my needs. Listen to me, lady. Listen to me, baby. And and, and what he did for me, he's more than willing to do for you. Do you want to know him today as your personal? Yes, I want to know somebody. that. and, And folks, this is a gracious person who takes what God has done for them and gives it away to other people. I mean, that's a gracious and merciful person. What are you doing? You're acting just like God. I mean, we love him because he first loved us. We didn't deserve nothing. The Scripture says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve what God has done for us, so why should we judge other people? Let's just be gracious towards them. And then this is one of my favorite ones, a good man. Do I have any good men in here today? What about good women? Do I have any good women in here today? Fellas, don't let them be louder. Do I have any good men in this building today? Yes, sir. A good man shows favor. And notice this. He lends. Once again, if you've been listening all these weeks, these people don't borrow money. Some point you've got to make a decision that God's system is better than the world's system. Listen to me. Everyone in here can get to a place where you owe no man nothing but the love. Everyone in here can. But you can't get there if you keep borrowing money. So a good man shows favor and he lendeth. We know this is a businessman because it said he guides his affairs with discretion. You know what discretion means? Good judgment. You know, one of the best things you can have in life is good judgment. You know where good judgment comes from? The Word of God. Right? Because you're weighing all your decisions. And I like something that was in my devotion this morning. You know how we, we, we used to wear those bands, What Would Jesus Do? Well, how I many you know that's limited to what you know about Jesus? So you might think you're doing what he would do, but if you don't have revelation about that, 
And so I thought about something this morning. Not what would Jesus do, but do what Jesus did. Which requires you to know what he did. Good judgment is critical. You all understand that? See, I'm not up debating on Friday night. Should I go to the club or should I go home and be with my family? Good judgment is going to go home and be with your family every single time. And we can go on and on and on, right? Good judgment, should I spend this money on me? I know we got some bills to pay, but, man, I'm tired of paying bills. Uh, I, I need some shoes. Good judgment is getting ready to sacrifice those shoes and take care of business. How I many of us handling your business affairs with discretion? It's good judgment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say that every member of Linked Up Church has good judgment. Right? Good judgment is saying, now here I am in this relationship, and this person don't even want to go to church. They don't want nothing to do with God. Good judgment would say, that's nothing I need to fast and pray about. Am I, hello? Am I still in the building today? There's nothing to fast and pray about. Good judgment can see that. All right, let me move on. I know you all like, okay, you're picking with us now. Let move on. You all getting anything out of this today? Watch this. Surely he shall not be moved. Watch this. Forever. When I meditated this last night, I'm going to share with you what this means. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Moved here means waver. It means shaken. It means slip. And it means fall. This man will never waver. He will never be shaken. He'll never slip. And he'll never fall. I take that. Then it tells you why. Somebody else better say, I'll take that too. His righteousness shall be in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Evil tidings is bad news. I mean, if you turn on the bad news every day, that's all you will hear is bad news. You start thinking about, man, you don't want to let your kids drive nowhere. You don't leave out of the house, stay in the house, don't go. To, I mean, this is, man, if I was reading that story, that, that just, man, that just, because I have a daughter. And man, that, that guy that shot those two teenagers. I don't know if you all read the details of that story. But man, as a father, man, listen, I don't even know what to tell you. I'm getting all worked up up here right now. My brother who's at our home right now, uh, he's a police sergeant. He was telling me about a, a guy uh, was drunk and he stumbled in the wrong house and ended up in the bedroom in Detroit, Michigan, of the f homeowner, the father's daughter. I said, Chuck, I would not have asked any questions. <laughs> I would not have asked, are you drunk? I would not have asked, how did you accidentally get in my home? And I would not have asked, how did you accidentally get in my daughter's room? I would not have asked none of that. And I'm going to move on with my message today so I can stay safe. <laughs> Because I'm getting worked up right now. 
Come on, anybody here understand? Any fathers in here understand what I'm saying? There was no discussion in that moment. Thanks, babe. <laughs> this man can get bad news, and it'll never affect him. Right? I'm talking about he can get a letter from his job. He, he, the, the economy, the, he can hear all of that. The oil is high. Gas prices are up. None of this affects this individual. You all understand? They just laid off the entire floor below us. They're coming to us next. Let's go out to lunch today. <laughs> I'm getting ready to show you why. It's not arrogance. He knows who he serves. Watch this. He shall not be afraid of bad news. And it tells you why. Because his heart is fixed. You know what the word fixed means? Established. In what? Trusting in the Lord. This man or woman puts all of their confidence in God. And they know in times like that, even when bad news comes, my God has an ability to bring good out of every bad situation. And not just bring good out of it. He can bring me out of it so good that I never, ever knew I went through it. This is how much confidence and trust this person puts in God and the Word of God. And notice what it said. His heart is established. This is not someone that's wavering. So is it possible is the reason this man can't be moved is because he won't move off of the Word of God. Regardless of what life throws his way, he goes back to that foundation and says, God, in the natural it looks like this, but you said this. I'm going with this. I mean, God is not unrighteous. God has to deliver you if you take the time to stand on his word. This is what your family, this is what your life should look like. Your marriage should be prosperous. Come on, somebody. Your business should be prosperous. Your investments should be prosperous. Your children should be mighty. They should be warriors. They should be champions. They should excel at everything. Right? When darkness comes, God gives you light. He gives you revelation. He gives you illumination. Right? No one else knows what to do, but you know what to do every single time. Come on, everybody else getting bad news. You're rejoicing, shouting, giving God glory, having a praise party, turning on your praise and worship music. Come on, somebody, right? Because you're not moved by that. Because your heart is fixed, trusting in the Word of God. I'm going to close with these statements here. I'm going to give you seven things to do to help you meditate God's Word. Remember what we talked about in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? Joshua is following Moses. I mean, that's a tough task right there. And the strategy that God gives Joshua in following Moses was simply to meditate the word, how often? Day and night, right? Then he told Joshua, then you'll cause your way to be what? Prosperous, and you'll have what? Good success. It's interesting that all he had to do was get his heart established in the word of God. So then that tells me then, getting established in that, God was going to give him the wisdom in dark moments and illuminate his heart. He was just going to know what to do, when to do it, every single time. 
Listen to these things, and then we'll go over those one by one. I see they're already up, so you all can get them. I see you all taking pictures. You can begin writing them. <laughs> you already did, so let me uh, praise God for that. Watch this now. Listen very carefully. So God has established his covenant. Just listen from your heart. And the man or woman that establishes his or her heart in that covenant, and their heart is fixed, trusted in the Lord, I want to reiterate, you cannot scare them with bad information. Cannot scare them with bad news about fuel shortages, oil shortages, high interest rates. Who cares how high the interest rates go when you pay cash for everything? See, you you missed that. You let that fly right. I'm trying to show you how you can live in this world but not be impacted by this world. If you understand that cash is king, you'll never pay full price for anything ever in your life again. I told you all a couple of weeks ago, original asking price on a building that we put an offer in was double. As they kept lowering it, once they lowered it to a point that I thought was satisfactory, I still came in over six, four, six figures less than that. You force them to have to think about that. There are no banks involved in this. Here's a cash offer. What are you going to do with that? You're like, well, I've been waiting over a year. Burn the hand, these two in the bush. Might not be making everything I want to make, but let's get something out of this. Things like that fall into your lap when you have cash. Don't matter about interest rates. Your negotiating power is so much higher. They tell you, take it or leave it. We're not budging on this price. Well, let me tell you something. I'm paying cash. So if you don't take it, I'm getting ready to go right down here to three or four other dealerships. Well, wait a minute. Let me go talk to my manager. How many know there's no manager to go talk to? They just go walk over there. I talked to my manager, and we don't do this for all of our customers. We don't do this. Actually, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. Just the way that goes. Seen that movie a lot of times, all right? Listen very carefully. This person does not get upset, afraid, doesn't matter what's going on because they operate at a level so much higher than that. When your heart is established in a covenant, listen to me, folks, Satan will never be able to corner you. Okay? Poverty is under the curse of the law, and Jesus Christ we know has redeemed us from that curse. I want to say this, folks. Having the bare necessities is part of the curse. What do I mean by that? When you just have just enough, but you can't do nothing else, how many know you're not enjoying life? So in other words, I paid everything, but now I got to wait till the next pay period. But then because I'm now living on credit in between pay periods, now I got to pay back what I borrowed in between, so now that check is gone. Okay, we want to get past that. And that is the will of God for your life to get past that. All right, watch this now. I'm just sharing things here with you. Stop and think for a moment. All of our hearts in here, it's established in something. It's either established in sin or it's established in righteousness. It's either established in death or it's established in abundant life. It's either established in sickness and disease or healing and divine health. It's either established in poverty or it's established in prosperity. It's either established in faith or it's established in fear. But everyone in here, our heart is fixed in something. So if we're going to fix our heart in something, why don't we fix it in the Word of God? 
so that we can get those results in our lives. Only way you can establish your heart, just listen, so that it comes absolutely fixed, concrete, and immovable, trusting in the Lord, is by the Word of God. You can't mentally assent to this. You cannot say, Pastor, I'm making a decision today, and you don't start your devotion life today and in the morning. Right? You cannot say, when I, I can't wait to get back next Sunday. What are you going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? When your heart is fixed in this, it becomes a daily part of your routine. Listen to me. You can't live without it. You can't. Like, I, I have to tell my wife I love her every day. Right? And that's important for her to hear that every day. We tell our children we love them every day. Right? Our children tell us that. This is every day. Right? Because that's imp- our heart is fixed in that. How much more should it be in the Word of God? I mean, when you fall in love with something, you have to spend time with it every day. Okay? That's so important if you're going to become what we talked about today. It's got to be in the Word of God. You've got to feed on it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to meditate it, right? Then your heart will become established, fixed, trusting in the Lord, and you're going to become the portrait of what we just described in Psalms 112. Somebody say, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm talking about you're going to get to a place where you have more resources than you need. Nothing feels better than that. We went to the Johns Creek Taste Fest on yesterday. My brother was with us. It was all of us. I go out. I buy tickets for everyone. I mean, that's a blessing. I watched my brother come up behind thinking he had to pay for his. I said, I already took care of that. Oh, and he put, that feels so good to be able to, to bless people. It's nothing feels better in the world to me. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Nothing feels better than that, just to be a blessing, which means all your needs are met. Hallelujah. That's coming to your house. And listen, when it comes, don't ever let it go ever again. Let let me try this side. It's about a little bit of faith over here. I said, that's coming to your house. And for some of you all, it's already at your house. And listen, when it shows up, don't ever let it leave again. Keep it, okay? That was about 50% over there. I think all the faith is right over here on this side of the room right here. I said, that's what's coming to your house. You're going to have more resources than what you need, right? And for some of you, it's already at your house, right? Don't ever let it leave ever again. Okay, and God gives us a simple way to do that. Now, they're already up there, so I won't take a whole lot of time. But these are just some practical things that will help you learn how to meditate the Word of God. You've got to make sure you're not just reading it like it's a story. But you read it to apply the Word of God to you personally. So you ask yourself questions afterwards. How does this apply to my life? Number two, allow the Holy Spirit to make God's Word a reality in your heart. Never read it without partnering with the Holy Spirit because He is the ultimate teacher. Say, Holy Spirit, show me more about this. Teach me more about this. He'll lead you to concordance, dictionaries, definitions, all kind of different things. Let him even bring more light and more meaning to what it is that you study. Number three, carefully consider how this word, again, applies to your life. Notice I come right back to that because it's so easy to think that I'm just reading it for learning. No, I'm not. Scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God, right? A workman that needeth not be ashamed, doing what? Rightly 
dividing. So if I'm always studying for application, I always want to make sure I've got it right. Right? If I'm always meditating for application. Number four, think about how the Word of God can change your situation. Start seeing the Word changing your situation. So important, right? Visualization, dreams, all of these things are so important to begin to see yourself in that situation. Number five, agree with what God's Word says about you. So often we think about what other people say about us. Forget about what other people say about us. What is God saying about you? And agree with that, right? God said you're the head and not the tail. You might be broke. Keep saying what He said about you and keep seeing yourself the way He sees you. And then eventually you're going to actually walk in that and live in that, okay? Number six, see yourself again the way God sees you. And then number seven, stand on the integrity of God's Word. I don't care what it looks like, okay? When we get to the tithing piece of this, I can tell you there were times when I would tithe and have $10 left to myself to get through the whole week. And I just said, God, I'm standing on the integrity of your word. You said you'd open up the windows of heaven. You said you'd pour me out a blessing that I would not have room to receive it. You said that when I give, it's giving back unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Men will give into my bosom. Father, I've got $10 to last me an entire week. I trust you, and I stand on the integrity of your word to get me through this entire weekend. And I, can't, I don't even know how. I don't remember how. All I know is I got through every single week. Come on, somebody. All I know, every time I, I come home and $50 on top of the answering machine, my brother would say, my dad sent this over here to you. He didn't know. He just sent it over here to you. I, I get to work, get to church. Somebody say, hey, man, Lord, let me to just fill your gas tank up. And it just kept ha- happening. But the one thing I was, would not do was rob God. I didn't care what it looked like. I said, I'm going to stand on the integrity of, of your word, God. I've been lied to my whole life, God. I want to believe that you're the truth. And let me tell you, for 27 years, he's shown me he is nothing but the truth, the whole truth, because he is God. Now I can tell you 27 years later, I've had over 800 credit score my entire adult life. I never have had a bill go unpaid, been debt-free two or three times over the course of my adult life. God has been good to us. Hallelujah. 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 Did you all get anything out of this today? You all get something out of this today? Can you see your family looking like that? Come on, can you see your life looking like that? Come on, it's not difficult. All we've got to do is do what God said, and we can have what God said we can have. Let's lift our hands and just give him praise and glory and honor today. Father, we thank you for your word today. We receive your word with gladness, Father. Thank you for that portrait and that picture of what prosperity looks like so that we can gravitate more towards that, desire that more in our lives, Father. And we believe, Father, we will be Psalms 112 men and women all the days of our lives, Father, because our heart is fixed, it's established. We're going to trust you in your word all the days of our lives, and it will allow us to never be moved, shaken, or slipped. I actually wrote that down in my devotional uh, that I'm going to believe for that for the rest of my life, that I won't be shaken, I won't slip, and I won't fall. I'm going to believe for that because he said it's possible. Anybody else want to believe for that with me? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just pray for a moment. Just pray.
hearts are sensitive right now uh, to the things of God. Just pray with me.